Have you ever wondered why exactly it is that things usually sound better at home than they do on stage, in auditions, or even in lessons? It's easy to chalk it up to nerves or assume that you just have to practice more or get more performance experience. And sure, those things certainly are part of the puzzle, but a lot of times that's not really the true root cause. If you've been confused by the inconsistency of your performances, I put together a free four-minute quiz called the Mental Skills Audit, which will help you pinpoint your mental strengths and weaknesses and figure out what exactly to adjust and tweak in your preparation for more consistently optimal performances. You can take the Mental Skills Audit online at bulletproofmusician.com MSA. That's MSA for Mental Skills Audit. And again, it's 100% free, and it'll take just four minutes to get your results emailed to you as a PDF. This is Noah Kageyama, and you're listening to the Bulletproof Musician Podcast. Every Sunday morning, we'll take a look at a new research-based tip or technique to help you practice more effectively or perform better under pressure. And on the first Sunday of every month, I'll have a guest from the music, sport, or research world who will share their insights on how we can all be a little more awesome in the practice room and on stage. Have you ever found yourself watching infomercials at 2 a.m., wondering where they find these people who can do a full body transformation in eight weeks and live happily ever after? I'll admit that I've been tempted by the Bowflexes, perfect push-ups, and other devices I've seen over the years, because the frustrating thing about working out is that it's hard to know if you're making the best use of your time. I mean, doing something is certainly better than doing nothing, but what if there's another workout routine that could be getting me far greater results in the same amount of time? We could ask the same thing about practicing. Like, what do the most effective practicers actually do in the practice room? What do less effective practicers do? And is there a difference? Two researchers from the City University of New York did a study in 2001 of basketball players to see if they could discern a difference between the practice habits of the best free throw shooters, who shot about 70% or higher, and the worst free throw shooters, who shot 55% or lower. There were a number of differences, but there were two that stood out to me. One difference was that the very best free throw shooters had specific goals about what they wanted to accomplish or focus on before each practice free throw attempt, as in, I'm going to make 10 out of 10 shots, or I'm going to keep my elbows in. The worst free throw shooters had more general goals, like I'm going to make the shot, or use good form. Difference number two had to do with how the players responded to misses. Invariably, the players would mess up and miss a shot here and again, but when the best free throw shooters missed, they tended to attribute their miss to specific technical problems, like I didn't bend my knees. This lends itself to a more specific goal for the next practice attempt, and a more thoughtful reflection process upon the hit or miss of the subsequent free throw. In contrast, the worst performers were more likely to attribute failure to non-specific factors, like my rhythm was off, or I wasn't focused which doesn't do much to inform the next practice attempt. You might be thinking that, well, maybe the worst performers didn't focus on specific technical strategies because they simply didn't know as much. That maybe the best performers were able to focus on technique and strategy because they knew more about how to shoot a free throw with proper form and technique. The researchers wondered about this as well and specifically controlled for this possibility by testing for the player's knowledge of basketball free throw shooting technique. And as it turns out, there were no significant differences in knowledge between the best and worst free throw shooters. So while both the top performers and the worst performers have the same level of understanding to draw from, very few of the worst performers actually utilize this knowledge. Meanwhile, the best performers were much more likely to utilize what they knew to think, 
plan and direct their practice time more productively. So when you find yourself working on a tricky passage today, try using more specific goals for each practice attempt. And perhaps more importantly, pay attention to how you talk to yourself after those practice attempts that don't go the way that you want. Do you find yourself putting on your detective hat, getting curious and focusing on identifying the little technical adjustments and tweaks that might help you get closer to the goal on your next attempt? Or does the critic in your head throw out a few curse words and instinctively jump right into another practice attempt without giving you a chance to figure out why you missed the last one? See if spending more time in detective mode and less in critic mode not only changes how things feel during your practice, but how much of your work sticks from day to day too. Of course, the other part of the equation is getting your work to transfer to the stage as well because it can be pretty frustrating to get a piece sounding great at home, but then miss random notes and fumble passages when you play in front of an audience. In fact, has a tiny part of you ever wondered if maybe you just weren't cut out to perform? Or that maybe you weren't talented enough or good enough? Whatever that even means. You might just have to take my word for it for now, but don't worry, it's not a talent or good enough problem. So don't let the voice in your head try to convince you otherwise. The reasons for but it sounded better at home syndrome are actually pretty specific and concrete. One factor is that the practice habits we instinctively gravitate towards often lead to the illusion of rapid improvement today, but they don't necessarily lead to long-term retention tomorrow, or skills that transfer reliably to the stage. For instance, we tend to be too reliant on repetition, and we often aim for the wrong kind of consistency, which leaves us feeling pretty good in the practice room, but less secure on stage. Today's study is an example of a specific practice tweak that we'll work on in the live two-week Performance Psych Essentials practice bootcamp that begins this week. If you'd like to experience more satisfaction in the practice room, have more consistently good days on stage, and work on skills like this alongside a cohort of supportive fellow learners and musicians from around the world, I think you'll really enjoy the class. You can get the dates and times and find out what you'll learn and join cohort 14 at bulletproofmusician.com slash essentials. That's bulletproofmusician.com slash essentials. You can find links to this week's study and other related practice hacks at bulletproofmusician.com slash blog. If you found this episode helpful, please do share it with a friend or practice buddy who you think would also enjoy experimenting with it during the coming week. And if you'd like to explore this sort of thing in more depth, whether it be to get more out of your daily practice or to get better at managing performance pressure and shrinking that gap between what you can do in the practice room and what comes out on stage, you can learn more about the live and self-paced courses that are available at bulletproofmusician.com courses.